are listening to the Marginally Geeky Show, the Epically Geeky Book Club. Greetings and welcome to the Epically, I'm sorry, the Marginally Geeky Show. Wrong night. The Epically Geeky Book Club. I'm your host for the evening, Eugene Stevens. Tonight I'm joined by, uh, who am I joined by? I'm joined by uh, Lainey Moore. I'm joined people. by uh, Jennifer Hetzel. How are you ladies doing? Pretty good. Oh, you know, the huge. The huge. Okay, that's a new yeah. one. Uh, <laughs> the huge. No, uh, that's the huge. So, uh, has anything interesting happened uh, to anyone since uh, since the last time we met? Uh, I went to Portland. That was a thing that happened. That's had- awesome. That was fun. That's good. Uh, this last weekend, uh, it is directly tied kind of to the show. Uh, Lainey and I were at, uh, Classic Game Fest, uh, running the, uh, Geek Fest booth. Had a lot of fun, met a lot of really cool people. Um, oh, sure. and, uh, even though it was Classic Game Fest, I, uh, did manage to meet someone. And, uh, I, on episode, I believe three of the show, we actually, uh, did our, our review of Ready Player One. This book right here, and I got to meet the author, Ernest Klein, and he actually signed my book, and it was awesome. I was Eugene was really <laughs> excited. Uh yeah, I did kinda, he fangirl? I kind of fangirled maybe a oh. little bit. So. His whole face when he came back to the booth was just like super fangirl, so cute. Now I'm also dressed as a Ghostbuster, so he he signs it uh, to Eugene. Who you gonna call with the uh, the sixer? anti-sixer logo so um but what's funny is we met these two guys uh who were in the booth next to us they were really cool guys and they actually personally know him and they were telling us they're like yeah he's a bit of a kidder so when you go up there he, he may ask you uh which do you prefer star star trek or star wars and he always signs it the opposite so if you say trek he's gonna say you know he's gonna <laughs> sign may the force be with you if you say star wars he's gonna you know write like you know uh, live long and prosper so i'm like that's that's cool so at least he's got his stuff down so um tonight's book we're actually covering is uh bill nye's (laughs) unstoppable um he's written several books actually this is the first of his books that i've i've read i have not actually read any of bill nye's books previous to this so um i knew he wrote a children's book and i've seen that but i didn't realize that he had so many other titles under his belt i was very surprised yeah he just had one released last month um oh really Everything all at once, yeah. Because I got when I went to meet him, they were pre-selling them, and he signed book plates. So oh, the nice. book it was for, yeah. Yeah, so I, I'm pretty I, excited to read it. I was hoping to get to to get a, a signature from him, but unfortunately, the the conference I went to, it just it didn't work out. So, um, but he he tends to do a lot of touring, so I'm I'm hoping uh, I'll get another chance. So. Um, I know the other book that uh, a lot of people seem to really like is uh, Undeniable, and that's more so yeah. about uh, creationism, creationism, evolution. Uh, so I yeah. think that may have been the the catalyst for his debate with uh, uh, with that gentleman. You know, so <laughs> do I avoid blue books? No, I don't avoid blue books. I'll read a book of whatever color. Um, Reference oh from, my God! From Bye. last week's episode, uh, or week before's episode. Um, by the way, uh, <laughs> ni- nice seeing you here, born distracted. Um, so tonight's, like I said, tonight's episode, we're talking about Bill Nye's uh, Unstoppable. Now, 
unlike most of the other books that we've read, we have read a, a couple of autobiographies, and we've also read most of the stuff we tend to read is uh, is fiction, whereas this is a a nonfiction. So um, this one isn't you know there's not a narrative to necessarily go through. Uh, so I didn't really take down a lot of notes, but uh, more so I just kind of wrote down like all the uh, chapter titles. I literally have all the chapter titles in front of me because I feel like just running off of that, I, I can recall all the stuff that's going on. Hello, Molly the dog. Um, all right. She's very interested in what's happening. I see she is. <laughs> so um, with that said, we'll go ahead and get started. Um, as usual, we'll just run around real quick. And just give a, a brief, you know, yeah or nay kind of, you know, did you enjoy the book? Uh, I'll start off real quick. Um, it's, uh, be, there is a lot of science in this book, but, uh, and, and you had said this before when we started reading this, Jennifer, you said it, it is very science heavy, but it's done in a way that it's very approachable. And I have to agree with that. It's, uh, at no point did I feel like I was lost, um, even though he was kind of talking about some heavier concepts. Um, but, yeah, I, 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 I enjoy the book. Um, in fact, I'm, I'm kind of thinking about going and get the other, getting the other one. We were just talking about the, uh, undeniable here and, and tearing through it sometimes. So, um, this was actually, you had previously read this for a different book club. I know you said Jennifer, which is why you, uh, recommended it. And you said you were kind of halfway through a, a second reading. Yeah, I re-listened to it, but I didn't quite get all the way done. But, um, but yeah, I finished it about a month ago. Or a month and a half ago, so when I listened. Sorry, I was looking at the chat room. Uh, Stop <laughs> listening to Cyrus. No, he just said he heard that Bill Nye is touring with Guns and Roses. He's not sure who's opening for who, though. Uh, <laughs> Lainey, what were your thoughts on the book? I really enjoyed it. Um, it is very science heavy. I, I enjoy science. I did find myself having to go back. And like reread stuff a couple of times. Now, did you read sure or listen to it? I listened. Okay. Um, but I like would have to go back and listen to it again a couple of times, and sometimes have to Google something that he may have mentioned that I am not familiar with. But I thought he gave out a lot of really awesome ideas, and um, I really enjoyed it. So I think he talks about climate change in a very approachable way. So. Um. He does read the audio. It sounds like all three of us did the audio book and he does the reading for the audio book. And that's always hit or miss for me. Sometimes you can get an author. I love it. That, um, well, okay, here's a good example. Uh, I love Stephen King's books. Not so much when he reads them. He's a, he's a good writer. Not so much Not a good, a good reader. reader. Yeah, it's kind of sad. Um, there, there are I can other see that. He has can, kind of a dry voice, doesn't he? He does have kind of a dry voice, but it's also just, I mean, uh, his, his books are written in a way that you, you need someone that get, you know, can do voices and you get really passionate with it. And he just unfortunately isn't able to do that. So, um, but since this was also like his point of view, you could tell he gets energetic when it's, it's something that he feels really passionate about. And I like that when that happens in, in an audiobook because, uh, it does bring out more of it. So, um, so yeah, let's, let's go ahead and, and tear in here. The, um, uh, Technically, chapter one, I'd almost call it the preface, is literally yeah. the um, rules, as he put it, it's the rules for Bill Nye the Science Guy. And this were, this was what he the document he sat down and wrote out that they said they were going to follow when it comes to the show. And the, fir the literally the very first thing it says is uh, entertainment first, science second. 
which I kind of thought was odd at first, but then I gave it a little bit more thought and I was like, no, that completely makes sense because I mean, you can have anyone on any kind of a show spouting, you know, science stuff at you. Pretty much anyone can do that, but making it entertaining is, is the hook. You know, uh, one of the biggest things, one of the biggest, biggest, biggest challenges was he was hoping to try to get more people, more kids in particular into science. So he wanted to make it entertaining, get them hooked. And then, you know, let the science carry the rest of the way. And that's like the second line is all the science we do on the show is real science. Like we're not going to do any you know, fake magic or anything that. like that. So, which is why Bill Nye, the science guy is still used in classrooms to, as today. Like it's still used because it, it, it's, it's it science. Yeah, exactly. It's awesome. <laughs> and it's science done in an approachable way for children and in a way that actually keeps their attention. Right. Yes, there's some there, there's some goofy stuff in there, but I mean it, it's entertaining. It's fun, so it's supposed to be fun. Um, so the first chapter is uh, we have the whole world in our hands, and this is you know his opening up basically you know look it's our planet, and it's it's a very um, elegant way of putting it. You know we're uh, we're homeowners, we're not renters. <laughs> I love that yeah. metaphor, though. I think that that was the best way to put it. I I love the way that he did that because mm-hmm. it makes it it makes a lot more sense that way. It does. Yeah, I I really liked that, and I think that could get through to a lot of people because he when he talks about you know if your house is on fire, you don't just stand there and watch it burn. You know, you do everything you can, and, and right now our house is on fire. Yeah, <laughs> and we're just staring at it like we can't fix it. And we need to fix change that. Yeah. And then we have We're a great for the we have a good deal of the population that's refusing to see that it's even on fire. <laughs> yes, so. right. Even though we are literally like it's getting hotter every year. Everybody complains about how hot it is, but they don't make the connection. Absolutely. My favorite was when he talked about that politician being like, "Global warming's not a real thing because they brought in snow, <laughs> like in the winter in Washington D.C." Yeah. Yeah. But that's what people do, and that's the thing is everybody always argues like, oh, well, there's like a three percent like you know discrepancy within a lot of these reports. I'm like, yeah, that's not a lot speaking scientifically. Like you also, know, also right? scientists. I mean, there's always a you know a margin of disagreement. In always. Anything. That's just that's good it's kind of common knowledge. Yeah. 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 You but know anything you know, about science? It's like this whole thing with like non-teachers making decisions for teachers. This is non-scientists making scientific decisions. And not listening to the people that, that actually know what the hell they're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's actually, uh, the third chapter is a hot house of disbelief. And that's where he starts touching on that. And he talks about the fact that, um, part, one of the issues, one of the biggest problems that we had when we first started having these conversations were, was, um, the term global warming. And because there are, you know, anomalies in the, in the data that shows, yeah, it's, it's not, it's not consistent it varies it fluctuates it is still gradually going up but there are there's inconsistencies there so that's where people can come back and say well it's not necessarily warming it's so that's why we finally adopted the more accurate term of you know um climate uh, change climate change because it's changing i mean i don't see how anyone can you could you could argue against against global warming I don't know how much water it holds, but you could argue that fact. But climate change, I mean, even even with 
you know, even with the the different points of data, I mean, you obviously have to look and go like, well, okay, here's a good example. When I was a boy, I lived here in Colleen, same city. I'm in the same city I am that I grew up in. Um, and at least once, maybe twice a year, we'd have a snow day. We'd have a nice day. We got to stay home from school and it was awesome. And I loved it. And it was even up to, like to that point in 1996 when I graduated. Cause I remember the, pe- the, the, the person we had as our superintendent for our school district literally would not call a day until like 6 a.m. that morning. Even though everybody and their brother <laughs> knew a for doucher. a fact, exactly it was <laughs> to the point that like some of these teachers that lived further away, would already be on the icy roads before they found out that school was canceled. Ugh. Yes, it was. It was. It was horrible. Um, I understand our district loses money when they do when they they call a day. But come on, whatever. I but but in any case, up until at least 1996, we still you know that was still kind of a regular thing. We could at least kind of depend on it. Um, I have pictures of my current house that I live in. Before my boys got here of, you know, there being at least, you know, several days of snow. When they were about two, we got a day of snow. And we haven't seen a drop since. Like, it's just. Yeah. You know, when I've, I've, it's 2000 and I used to tell people all the time, you know, people freak out when they see snow around here. But we get at least a day of snow a year. But up until like three or four years ago, that was the case. And now I can't say that because. You're right. Like it hasn't, it's, it's gotten cold, but it hasn't been un, you know, bearably cold like it used to get. Even we in Texas. We you haven't know, we gotten would get a hard those freeze. really cold snaps. Yeah. We haven't gotten yeah. a hard freeze in a while, which is why our freaking allergies are killing us and there are bugs everywhere because we haven't had that super hard freeze to kill all that weeds and, and, you yeah. know, insect life off. So, but yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so yeah, he does talk about the fact that, you know, we have switched gears, we've changed the name and, you know, more, it's gotten more people on board with it. Um, and then he goes into things like, uh, putting the price on, inter- uh, uh, on inaction, um, inputs and feedbacks, and then starts going into ther- thermodynamics and you. And this is where he starts breaking out some of the science stuff. Um, and this is the point that I, t- I, I tend to take with a lot of people. I mean, I understand it's your, everyone has an opinion. Let me go. Well, you know, I'm going to just start with this. My thoughts on 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 uh, global change, and unfortunately, it is a lot of it is uh, politicized, very much so, which it shouldn't be. It it should be science and not, you know, oh. a, a political football, but it is. Um, but you know, I kind of fall a little bit more. I I try to be moderate in most things, and, and including my. Uh, beliefs on this and and what i mean by that is um a lot of the original and he even mentions this a lot of the original models that were done for climate change were wrong because they got they had numbers wrong we have a lot more trees we have a lot more vegetation on this planet than we originally had so it is consuming more co2 than it is on the other hand the people were like well the co2 levels have been higher on this planet than than it is now also very true we weren't alive at that point. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot less life in yes. general on the planet right. at that point, and it was different life. So I try to look at it as... Some let, of it needed CO2. Exactly. Yeah. So I try to look at it as... A, a middle-of-the-road yeah. thing. 
So, but even at the middle of the road, we're it's still being affected. I mean, like I said, there's no way I can't look at my weather outside my very own window and tell, hmm, things are not like what they used to be. Um, so even going middle of the road, it's still like, okay, shit's still happening. We still have to do something. And it's one of those things that's like, um, I liken it, I liken it to, uh, the speech Bill Murray gives in Ghostbusters when he's like, you know, so, so what happens? He's like, if nothing, you know, if nothing happens, then we were wrong. Who cares? Nothing happens. We'll go to jail peacefully. We'll enjoy it. But if, <laughs> but if it does. And it's one of those things that's like, okay, well, let's try, let's try these things and let's try to improve the, you know, the planet. If the planet really yeah. isn't going to hell as fast as we think it is, or, you know, scientists say it is. Then oh. fantastic. We have more time to fix a lot of this shit. Exactly. But if it <laughs> is, if it is as bad or if not worse, then we got to get on the ball. So either way, it's, well, it's not like we're, it's not like we're wasting a lot of time and energy for something that's not going to have any impact at all. Right. Exactly. It's something he says. I think one of the very first things he says is people always talk about saving the planet and it's not the planet we need to save. The planet's going to be around regardless of what we do. The planet will survive. It's making it habitable for us, you know, and and recognizing that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, okay, if we don't do anything. Yeah. Like the planet Earth will still be here. It'll be it'll rotate and, you know, continue to do whatever. But we won't (laughs) because we can't survive. (laughs) <laughs> on Venus, you know, like that's yeah. where we're headed. There are yeah. not other habitable planets right now, guys. Like that's not because we're not <laughs> investing in space exploration either. No, exactly. Well, that's the other thing. It's like, but everybody treats it as if we're renting this place and not like we own it. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but what's so stupid is that the reason that none of this stuff is actually being like really looked at seriously is because it is so wrapped up in politics and because a lot of your friendly neighborhood politicians get a lot of their money from this bullshit and they're oh, more yeah. concerned mm-hmm. about getting a paycheck than making sure that their grandkids have somewhere to live in the future. Yep. And water uh, and, and water and <laughs> it's just, it's sickening. Or people are selfish. I mean, people just do their own thing, live their life. Don't think about the consequences of anything they do and consume, 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 Never. you know, Absolutely. I, I actually kind of gave a, that, a speech that kind of touched on that a little bit earlier today, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, but um, so yeah, um, putting you know there was putting the price on interaction on uh, inaction. I'm sorry. Um, and then he starts breaking out, and and this is where I'll be honest. I started listening to this, and I was like, okay, you've got a good point. And then I was going to bring it, and I'm like, well, but you also have to consider. And literally, as I was getting that thought out, he brought it up, and I was like, okay, <laughs> yeah, he really touched on every. I'm enjoying argument this. and viewpoint. I think that's yes. what I love is that he'll present something, he'll present an idea, he'll present a solution, and then he'll be very sure to tell you now. These are the shortcomings of this solution, and this is something that we need to consider. And maybe this really wouldn't work for the long term because of X, Y, and Z. Like, I love it. Yeah, yeah, and that, and to me, being balanced like that and see, and at least attempting to see both sides, made it so much more easy to swallow. Because I'll be honest, when I first kind of started, now don't get me wrong, I like Bill Nye. I do like the guy. I think he's doing a, a, a bang up job. Um, well, there are some people who don't. <laughs> well, they're stupid, and I don't like them. They're not huge fans of, you know, science, but, you know, 
that's fine. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, I, that I, I greatly enjoyed the fact that, you know, he, he, you know, balanced, you know, the conversation out. So, but like he starts talking about, uh, fighting global warming with bubbles and it's like, okay, so <laughs> let's, let's look at this interesting idea. And he, 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 you know, breaks it down that, you know, having bubbles on top of, uh, on top of water causes, um, less light to, uh, well, it causes more light to reflect and so that it's not being stored as easily in the water, which causes the water not to heat up as much, which, you know, causes, you know, multiple other things that go along with that. And it's like, well, what if we could cover the entire, o- you know, all of our oceans with bubbles that would actually reflect this much light and it would cause, you know, a lot less heating and blah, blah, blah. And then, like we said, well, lots of evaporation. Exactly. And then it's immediately like, but. Yeah, how are we going to do that? How feasible is that? And it's like, exactly. That's not really that feasible. Could we give it a shot? We want. I mean, it doesn't hurt to try. But that's I mean, let's. The thing. He's yeah. a true scientist too, so he'll. He's the first to yeah, say, that was, "Yeah, this is probably not going to work out, though." But it was still like, and 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 I'm glad that it was still. I work in a school district that, unfortunately, likes to go. Okay, this worked in this little bitty test. Let's blow it out to everybody. And all of the campus techs, myself included, are like, no, let's test it on a couple of campuses first, and then we'll slowly roll it out so that we can test it and make sure that it's going to work. And this is the same thing here. He's like, why don't we take a couple of um, man-made lakes or ponds, and let's give it a shot there. And if it works, great. Let's try it on a couple more, and then maybe we can try a larger body, body of water and slowly but surely build up. So once again, Scientifically thinking, made sense, good to go. Uh, let's see, the bubbles, um, talking about electrical energy generation. Okay, so, uh, this is when he starts getting into, uh, talking about how electricity is, is created. And of course we go into coal production and then starts talking about, uh, uh, fracking and gas. Fracking. And why gas is definitely a cleaner burning, uh, it's better than coal. So, and, and he points that out. Coal, coal's bad. Coal's just bad, period. Um, yes. Gas. But the extraction of gas is kind of just as bad. Yeah, <laughs> you know? the extraction of the gas. And it burns other, you know, chemicals. Sorry. Yeah, exactly. Ugh. And it's it's one of those things now. Um, oh, come on, phone. Do the thing. Anyway, it, uh, but yeah, so he starts talking about that and he starts talking about the fact that, you know, we, we are using so much coal to, to create so, you know, so much of our, uh, our electricity. Um, and, you know, we're basically just dumping all the CO2 and, you know, all these other pollutants into the air. And it's just like, you know, there's got to be a better way of, of doing this. Um, so, uh, funny you should say that. <laughs> Here are ten different solutions to that problem. Exactly, hey. and then he starts, and then we start going through it. Um, um, and and okay, and and as for the fracking, uh, you know, Cyrus is in our chat room. Uh, oh, he says going to lunch. Be back in a bit. So of course he's about to walk out as I was going to throw to him. Uh, yeah, Cyrus lives in the Dallas uh, area. Um, yeah, Cyrus has woken up to earthquakes. Jesus. That's crazy. In, uh, Texas. in Texas. In like, Texas. Yeah, not really a place known for uh for earthquakes. Uh somewhat known for fracking up in that part of the state. Just saying. I don't know. Yeah. Pulling out a bunch of stuff out of the ground, filling it with just water. 
eh, may may not work, may be causing some What's problems. What's the worst that could happen? <laughs> exactly. Um, so let's see here. So um, so one of the first ones he brings up is uh, is my personal favorite of the options, at least my personal favorite of the viable options right now, and that is nuclear. Um, and he talks about the fact that, you know, we have had some issues. Uh, we've had several accidents. But, like, this country has not built a new nuclear reactor in forever. All of our nuclear reactors are running on decades-old technology. So if yep. we were to buy, build a new nuclear reactor, it would have a lot better safety protocols. It would probably, you know, be a lot cleaner. It would probably produce a lot more energy. It would basically all around, I mean, look at buying a car from the 70s and then buying a car now and just looking at all the improvements that are in it. It's pretty much the same thing. Um, I've even gone I don't so know far. that I oh, I agree that that I mean I'm it's a better than coal but I don't know that that's the best option just because it's not completely clean and there's so many issues with it being you know like there's no standards he he mentions that there's no national standards there's so many risks of contamination you know from people's clothing or or whatever and then there's you know where do you store it we don't have a storage facility and there's just I don't oh, know. No, there are it, options. That's... There are things that need to be figured out beforehand. I, I completely agree with you on there. So, um, but the amount of energy that we could get and like for every power, you know, nuclear power plant that, you know, we produce or could produce, uh, we could literally shut down like tens of coal plants. So yeah, it's, it, sure. it's, it's more of a, I don't think it's the final solution, but he also mentions that is, we don't have to go for the, the end goal right now. Like we need to work towards that, but there's going to be several steps to get there. And my personal opinion is, uh, going to more nuclear energy is, is one of those steps. It's like, okay, listen, yes, there's some problems with it. We are going to have to deal with those problems eventually. It's not like we can just, you know, kick this football way down the line and not worry about it anymore. But this is one of those major steps I think we can make forward that we could at least start shutting down some of our coal plants causes causing us to stop having to worry about uh, dealing with other countries and oil and pulling out oil and gas from our ground and uh, would maybe help uh, alleviate some of that so that we can potentially keep looking at these other alternative forms of electricity. So that's what's so crazy to me is that all of like the forms of energy that we're relying on now cause us so much like just global distress. So I guess that's what I don't understand is like why this is still such a big issue when it's like, but there's a very clear, you know, mm -hmm. I don't know. Oh, yeah. It's like it would solve so many problems. So I just, I don't, I mean, I understand why, but I don't understand why. It's not logical. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. It's because we've always done it this way and people don't want to change. Well, and people make a lot of their ridiculously affluent livelihoods this way. and Exactly. And, you know, the thing that, gets me crazy is like okay you don't believe in climate change that's that's whatever but you have to accept the fact that we have a finite amount of gas and oil in the ground yeah. and we're going to go through it eventually so why not explore other options like what is it going to hurt like you said Eugene like what's the worst that could happen you know it's just insane to me a lot of those people too like lived through the gas shortage in the 70s and stuff so I don't yeah. I'm just like, uh, is your memory that bad, Grandpa? Like, what's going on? I don't understand. It doesn't make any sense to me. It just, it really pisses me off. And I'm picturing yeah. like a very 
specific group of people when I'm saying this, but still. So. <laughs> um, very angry. And then the next one he brings up, <laughs> he, goes, he goes to his uh, solar. Um, believe me, I would love to be able to uh, be able to afford. Unfortunately, you know, it's that initial hump getting over of installing solar panels. I would love, love, love to be able to sell uh, my electric electrical co-op. Uh, here, here's some electricity back. You can buy it from me now, bitch. Yeah. Um, right. <laughs> Owning that electrical we're, company, we're, we're getting to that point, um, but you know it's it, we're still a ways off. And then you've got people like Elon Musk, who uh, it's freaking Iron Man, and one of the things he's it's looking my hero. at, yes, <laughs> and is looking at making solar panels instead of these giant panels you slap on the side of your house. They're literally like the tiles on your house, and I can like he said, you know, it's going to be a little while before we get there, but we could feasibly get to the point where installing these type of solar panels on your your roof is just as cheap as which it's not cheap, but you know, putting on a new roof. So there would be no difference. It's like, well, why would I not do this? Um, it's one of those things. It's the early adopters that were going to, of course, you know, pave the way for us. They're going to, you know, the ones who are going to pay the initial money. And as time goes by, it gets cheaper. And then hopefully, you know, the rest of us normal folks can uh, eventually do that. But yeah, that's something that I've always looked at. That's something that I've always liked. It's just the return on it is just so. I mean, for right now, it's it's horrible. the 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 return on solar is just, but we it's 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 but, I mean, a fledgling technology. It's going to get compared better. to where it start. Oh yeah, compared, compared to where it started, to where it started we're much though, better. we are, I mean, yeah. thousands of times cheaper and more accessible. And you know, there's there's tax incentives for now. We'll see if that stays around. But um, there there are you know ways to kind of offset some of that and then like you said if you're in a place where you can sell back your energy then it kind of pays for itself a lot quicker yeah absolutely yeah um so yeah like i said that's something that i've always wanted to do is is be able to uh sell back to the uh the electrical co-op you know hey here's some electricity so but yeah the technology is getting better and the more that we like I said, it's it's like anything else. The people, the early investors are the ones who end up paying that initial price. And then as time goes by, the price just keeps getting, you know, the manufacturing gets better. Uh, the price keeps dropping. Uh, look at Tesla's, for example, going back to Elon Musk. You know, they were super expensive. You know, now that enough people have bought those initial rounds and that the technology has gotten better and their manufacturing has gotten better, I mean... You know, they're finally getting down to the point where there's a Tesla that's almost like the same amount that I would actually consider buying, you know, a new car for. And it's like, Ooh, maybe, 40K? Just, maybe just two more generations. And I might be like, okay, I can do this. I, I, I can afford this. So, um, cause I was, I, I'm so ready for the future where I don't have to drive anymore. I just get in the car and go, all right, take me here. <laughs> take me, take me to work. Let's go. Um, I don't know if I'll ever trust a car to drive me, honestly. Like, that uh, freaks me out. Okay, There's here's... a lot that needs to be worked out with all of yeah, that. Like, but well, not I, as I much. Too many right. things happen when people drive. And that's the Now, that's going to be the problem. What's going to end up happening is is we're going to end up having roads that are going to have specific lanes for, you know, uh, self-driving only. And those are going to be the lanes that we're probably going to very quickly figure out have very few, if any, accidents... And then insurance companies are going to start going, oh, 
well, let's see. Yes, we'll absolutely drop your insurance rates because you drive a self-driving car and we don't have to worry about you getting in an accident so badly. And then people will start switching over. And eventually, I have a feeling, my personal thought, but I think within my lifetime, um, self-driving cars are going to become the norm. And people driving a car are going to be, okay, you're relegated to that lane over there. Y'all have fun. You do your own thing. But when you get in a wreck, don't come crying to us. So. But yeah, I'm ready for it. I'm down for it. Cause I, I mean, I have a nice vehicle, but I, I'm sitting, I'm sitting in a car for 15 minutes on my way to work. And I, I mean, I can listen to podcasts well, and I can and listen to get, audiobooks, but I can't get do anything. The benefits of being a commuter, like on a commuter train where you're reading. Exactly. You're I would like that benefit. It's worth it. It really is. But. So, um, and then the next technology he goes into is the wind. And uh, the first time I really experienced this uh, was uh, I was driving to uh, El Paso uh, to see a, a friend of ours. And you start going over, you start cresting over some of these large uh, hills and mountains. And there are these, these giant, you know, huge, you know, um, um, solar farm, um, uh, wind farms. And I'm like... You know, not that it's constantly windy here in Central Texas, but it's like you know, it's to me they don't look bad. If you you know, if someone said, "Hey, we want to install a bunch of these around here," I'd be like, "All right, cool." Is my electricity bill going to go down? Cool, go ahead, go for it. So yeah, so I I use renewable energy through my electric company, and it's honestly the same or or even a little cheaper. You know, like it's already at a rate where I'm fine paying a few cents extra. But usually it's about the same for me because there are so many wind and solar farms out there now. Sorry, I got time distracted. Uh, but um, I, I mean, you know, once again, just like the solar panels, they keep getting better and better and better. Um, and he talks about that. He talks about the fact that, you know, some people still think of them as the old the old uh, windmills that like are on the farm or whatever. And, you know, they're like, no, the modern ones have, you know, three big arms and they're, you know, they're huge. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of fun stuff with those. I, that's one of those technologies. It's definitely, you know, and once again, he points out, you can't, that's not one of those technologies you can do everywhere. I mean, solar is kind of the same way. There's some places solar power is just not going to work. Um, and that's kind of where he segues and starts talking about the grid. And oh, the grid. Um, let's see. Our grid was basically created way, way, way back when. It's been barely updated. We had a great example of how awesome our grid is. What was that? Hell, that wasn't even a decade. It wasn't a decade ago where basically the whole eastern seaboard went down, was it? Y'all remember when that happened, right? Hello? Kind of, yes. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, pretty much the whole kind eastern seaboard went down for like you know, several hours. Um, and it's just, and it's one of those things and they keep talking about it. And I mean, national security has brought it up. They're like, our electrical grid sucks. And like, if, <laughs> if terrorists really wanted to fuck with this country, it's not blowing up something. It's, Hey, let's take down the electrical grid. Cause think about how many people that affects and for how long that could be. So it's one of those funny things you that say that <laughs> because Fort hood, actually, that's one of the, the reasons they built, the solar and wind farms that they're building for their energy production because mm -hmm. they recognize that threat, you know, like that terrorist attack uh, sources of power and they want to oh, be completely independent of 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean that, and it's a tax saving thing and, you know, they understand that climate change is a threat multiplier and blah, blah, blah. But that's, I love that's that he pointed that out in the book so many times too. He's like, guys, our military knows that this is a problem. So like, and yeah. that was, yeah, that was really interesting that he brought They're up the fact action. that they, you know, they recognize the fact that, you know, as, uh, the, the planet continues to, to warm and, you know, um, the oceans do tend, you know, are going to continue to rise and, Resources are going to continuously keep getting more and more scarce that, you know, people are going to start moving to where there are still those things. And our, at least our central part of our country is going to be one of those places. So even even let's let's take away the fact that maybe even people from other countries coming into our country. Let's completely remove that. Um, we've got to really relocate everybody pretty much in Louisiana, Alabama, Florida, uh, southern Texas, like. You know, all around the coast, you know, as time goes by, those people are going to need places to stay and they're going to need food and they're going to need energy. And there's only so much of that that we're producing poorly, by the way. Um, yep. Very inefficiently. So it's like, yes, that's a national security concern. And it's, yeah, it may not be, you know, imminent, but it's definitely a concern we need to look at. It's so. a concern. <laughs> uh, but, um, so he and then he starts bringing up storage, and this is one of the things that I get really excited about. Uh, once again, going back to uh, old Iron Man, Elon Musk himself, um, batteries are they keep getting better, but for the most part, they're still kind of bad. Like we can produce more electricity in some cases with solar and wind than we can than we know what to do with. Uh, and unfortunately, it has to be stored one way or another. And like one of the things he talks about was bottling sunshine with moonshine and talking about, uh, you, you know, uh, converting it into, uh, uh, you know, more, more of a liquid state instead of, you know, just, you know, simply being, you know, a, uh, like a lithium ion battery or something. So, uh, and then once again, going back to, uh, Elon Musk, uh, uh, figuring all this stuff out is the, uh, uh, was it the power wall that they introduced a couple of years ago? That's something I'm really interested in. The idea of, of this giant battery, installing this giant battery in your house, and then the super cheap solar panels, and basically, you know, charging all day, and then, you know, charging this giant battery, and then at night being able to switch over and, you know, burn the sunlight that you stored all day, so... Because so, the sun's not going away, it's just it's just gonna keep get it's gonna be there. We're gonna feel it more and more. <laughs> so yeah. Um. So yeah, he talks about battery usage, uh, which, like I said, is very interesting to me because once again, uh, Elon Musk is actually building that plant down in South Texas, uh, to look at that. So and which that was a necessity that came out of of Tesla. It's like, okay, what's the most expensive part of a Tesla car? It's the batteries. Well. Why don't we make our own instead of paying someone else? So it just makes sense. Um, and I love that throughout the book, and especially in this part, he encourages people to, you know, research these things and solve these problems. He says, this is a big problem, and it's a great opportunity for somebody to solve, and someone can get really rich fixing this problem. And, yes. and I love that because that's what we need is people to get encouraged and inspired and, you know, kind of, make the world better not just to say oh well it's too hard we're just going to give no, up if you gave people more of an incentive a lot of these problems yeah. would be solved already i we're love fucking America. <laughs> yeah we can do this 
I like the way too the the way that he doesn't really present it as like this is the one thing that's going to fix it. This is the one thing that's going to fix it. It's very yeah, much like, it's everything. There's no one right answer. There's you know this is multiple things coming into play here. So yeah, but um, I going back to our conversation before the show. Uh, part of that conversation I was that I was having that uh the um man bun on i at least agreed on was um the <laughs> fact that uh somehow or another we got on to talking about some of these re- super rich people and how like uh, uh warren buffett is like leaving only like 10 percent of his wealth to his children uh and, and his family and stuff and then the other 90 percent is going to go to charity and to me i don't i think that could I, this is going to sound bad. I don't think he, I don't think he should give his money to charity. I think he should be using that money to try to better the planet because yeah, there are a lot of charities out there that do a lot of really good. And then, but we've all seen those things pop up where it's like, well, this is, if you donate a dollar to this charity, this is how much of it actually goes to people. And it's just like, wow, that's disheartening. I could name, I could name about five right off the top of my head. But yeah. I so, but you, then you have people like Elon Musk and you have people like Bill Gates that are like, Hey, you know what? Let's go, let's go wipe out malaria. Go for it, Bill. Like <laughs> kick some ass, dude. Uh, Elon Musk is like, I love that. Let's go to space. Let's do it. And we're going to do it cheaper. We're going to do it cheaper than the government has ever done it. And I listened to this podcast. Uh, it's called weird things, but they talk, they talk about just all kinds of weird stuff, but they are huge space freaks. And uh, yeah. they, they constantly are talking about the fact that uh, because of renewable rockets, which let's face it, uh, you know, the government had no interest in, in renewable rockets because what's the point in getting a government contract that, oh, hey, I can do it cheaper so you can pay me less money. No one wants to do that. The only people who want to do that are the people who own the company and it actually benefits them to do it as cheaply as possible. Uh, so that's why, you know, space flight is, and then you've got, um, um, oh geez, what's his name? Uh, owns Amazon that just became the richest man in the world. Um, I'm blanking on his name. Anyway, he's in the space race as well. And it's just like, yes, let's do this. Let's, let's revolutionize some of these technologies and some of these, you know, industries that have been stagnant forever. And cause you've actually got the money and power to do it. Go for it. So. I love that. I love um, these private millionaires that are like, Hey, I'm interested in this. Let's just go ahead and do it. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> I uh, just want to see. And then we start talking about moving the masses and he starts talking about like the, the idea of self-driving cars to me is great. I love that idea. The idea of, and I would have to, it would be a little while for me to, to get comfortable with it. Because, I mean, unfortunately, the way we live in Texas, everything is spread out really far. You can't just necessarily bike or, or walk to where you need to go. Uh, if, we were, if we were more in a city-type situation, I could definitely see that being the case. Um, also, it's hot as balls. So. Also, it's hot yeah, as balls. Yeah, it is. So, sadly, we can't bike like Bill Nye everywhere. But once and it's again- getting worse, so we're going to keep being and putting more pollutants in the air and making yeah. it hotter, and it's like a self, you know... Cycle. But once again, I would have no problem. I think, like I said, I'd have to make sure that it eventually worked, but actually getting to a point where something like a Lyft or an Uber, where I go, well, you know what? I don't really need a car anymore. And I just 
get rid of my car. And every morning I have an Uber or Lyft or whatever you want to call it scheduled. And this autonomous vehicle shows up exactly and picks me up and I get in the vehicle and I go to work. And then there's one waiting for me whenever I get out of work. Yes, there are going to be some times where it may not be, you know, completely functional. So like, let's say, for example, like when my wife and I take a trip somewhere. So I could completely see us only being a one vehicle family. Like we would have the the larger vehicle that we keep for trips like when we have to go and take a bunch of stuff. But then our day-to-day life is just, you know, we just get in these automated vehicles and go where we need to go. So, um, and especially if they're powered on, you know, electrical power. The only other issue with the electrical power, though, is right now is the electrical power still being generated by coal. Yep. <laughs> ah, so we're either burning gas or burning coal, even if we're doing electrical. So, but yeah. Um, oh, and I don't want to gloss over this. NASCAR. Oh, my God. This is my favorite chapter in the book. <sighs> okay. <I'm, laughs> I am not a fan of NASCAR just because oh. I'm not I, I'm not a sports guy at all. Everyone who who's, knows these shows, who listens to me, who knows me, knows I'm not a sports guy. If that's your thing, if you're into NASCAR, cool, that's your thing. But now after reading this chapter, if even half of what he said is 100% correct, I hate NASCAR. (laughs) The fact that, and unfortunately, it's just, it is a bad business. I mean, granted, it's their business within their business. So it's not like they've had to go out to a governing body. But it is bad business if, if you have to turn to the government to make laws and rules to keep you functioning <clears throat> electrical and you know television and phone and cable and uh to keep you know to protect your business because you can't compete you probably don't need to be in that business and in which case why I refer to that NASCAR is he brings up several things that you know there's all these policies that there's no way an electrical vehicle can compete in NASCAR just because of the way it's set up. Some of the specific policies say it has to do this, it has to do that, this, that, and the other. And he very quickly points out the fact that it's like, even if they changed one small rule, we could start getting these cars that would probably go even twice as fast, that would use half as much power. We could get some really awesome technology out of it. But, you know, instead, let's celebrate, you know, the oldest technology possible. Well, the gas mileage is out of control on those cars. Like, yes. I don't know. I, I don't under, I already don't understand the fascination with NASCAR, but this whole, like, you know, they're very steeped in their tradition. Yeah, but like, this could be so much cooler and, a really great way. It could breed some really incredible scientists too. Like, imagine the people that could come out of like innovating at NASCAR. It's just I don't know. I don't. I already. Think I don't NASCAR get it either. Really stupid, but <laughs> I don't. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure people don't appreciate that, but I I don't care. I think it's a dumb thing, and you're. It's an entire sport sport that's <laughs> glorified. Um, that glorifies, you know, out of date technology for no apparent and an unwillingness to change and innovate, which I could say I could relate that back to the um, majority of the type of people that watch NASCAR, but I won't do that. Oh, good. Good point. Ryan <laughs> points out. What about all those private jets? Yes. What about all those private jets? Yeah, that's a really good point. Ugh. 
that's also a really inefficient way to move people because you're taking a huge thing and moving a very small amount of people. That's the thing with all this public trans just just transit in general. If it was just more efficient, you know, we could cut down a lot of on a lot of our problems. You know, I like the way that he talked about, you know, these different trains, like the light rails that they have in a lot of cities and everything, you know, like making that something that's more accessible to places that are not necessarily just big cities would be really beneficial, you know. It wouldn't happen all at once, of course, but public transit. Rail is a dirty word, remember? Oh, that's right. Rail is a dirty word. It's a true fact. <laughs> but no, like it just, but that's the thing is a lot of the issues that they do have with like light rails, like where I'm from in Houston, you know, a big issue that they have with it isn't necessarily due to the light rail. It's due to the other drivers on the road. So yeah. just saying, but public guys, like, I don't know if y'all know this, but like public transit's fucking cool. Like yeah, it's kind awesome. of awesome. It really is. It saves you so much money. You know, you learn in a lot of, in a lot of instances, it can save you a lot of time. Like you can do stuff. Yes, anywhere that, that I, do, I have that ever I lived, like. anywhere I've ever lived, where I've had the opportunity to take advantage of public transit, I have because it's worth it. So it's just worth it for the headache alone, like not having to deal it's, with the traffic and fight the bullshit, and you know. Yeah, yeah, if we had a viable public transit, you know, system here and. I'd totally be down for that. And and if we had a high-speed rail, so oh I could God, just yes. go to Austin, Houston, whenever, you know, like, yes, change my life. <laughs> that would be amazing. Plus, too, that would benefit these cities because you'd have more people coming in, not spending their money, adding to your, you know, infrastructure within your own town. You know, it's just moving people is a good thing, like, yeah. and moving them efficiently is an even better. better thing, so. You know, yeah. I know that everybody gets freaked out over public works projects, but you shouldn't because it's super beneficial and we are the public and it should work yeah. for the public. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. So let's crazy. take, let's take our friend Cyrus, for example. Uh, you know, he lives in the Dallas area. He has to drive down mostly I-35 to get here. And we know Ugh. what a nightmare that is. Ugh. How much, how awesome would it be if it could be where he goes? All right. Uh, he goes to a train station, he gets on a train and he travels to say temple. And I just go pick him up. And so he doesn't have to deal yes. with I-35. Like, that would be, I'm sure it would be a lot more economic for him. It would just or work out. Or he touches his smartphone to a taxi pod and takes an automated vehicle to your house. <gasps> From the light rail station. I, I can't tell you how many times, like, every time we have to drive, we have to drive that three and a half hour drive to go visit your grandparents. I'm just like, oh, oh I, I know. Just, I just want to. Dude, anytime I, I have to drive that three and a half hour this. drive to go anywhere, yeah. anywhere. You have to drive to go any. It's just it. There's, yeah. There's so many ways that that could be made so much more efficient. And I think a lot of people get hung up on the fact that they like it. It does change the way that you move around. It you does. cannot necessarily bring as much shit with you. But guess what? That's not necessarily a bad thing. And if you yeah. do have to bring a bunch of shit with you, you figure it out. Like I just, I get really tired of people getting all you know bent out of shape over minuscule issues that aren't you know personal when the benefits outweigh the yes yeah like i'm sorry that you can't bring your life-size replica of you know a stormtrooper dan but maybe you need to leave that at home (laughs) um the next thing he goes on to is about uh cleaning out salt water in our oceans and trying to get more that was so cool 
So yeah, there's lots of different cool <laughs> things that, uh, ways that he talks about that, you know, we can try to get the salt out of the water. Um, that bird so that we can get cleaning with the glands in its eyes that has salt coming out of it. I didn't know about that. That yeah, was the thing crazy. that I learned and it was amazing. Yeah, that was crazy. So, oh. um, but yeah, so he, he talks about that and then he started, he, he, he goes through several chapters where he talks about, um, uh, bringing it back to, and the first one's actually called bringing it back to Bill's house. Um, if you're, <laughs> if, if you're familiar with Bill Nye, he's good friends with, uh, Ed Begley Jr., uh, who my wife I love that. cannot stand. He, she can't stand him for whatever reason, not because of his policy. I don't know. I guess his acting or whatever, but whatever. It, it is what it is. Hi. I just thought, I don't know. I mean, he's not he's like my adorable. favorite guy or whatever, but yeah. Um, but he's, he's big friends with, with Ed Bigley Jr. And these guys are in an all out war with each other as to who can be more green. And even he has said, I've done, I've outdone some things, but he, even he has said, yeah, Ed, Ed, that's a little too far. (laughs) That's, that's a little too crunchy for even me. Uh, but it's interesting the the things that they rivalry. Yeah. That's that's the only rivalry I'm interested in. That's a hilarious <laughs> rivalry to have. So like the one thing he's talking about the fact that he's, he's lamenting the fact that he's like, you know, if my neighbor didn't have a two story house, I would actually get more sunlight and I'd actually be able to produce more light. Not that I'd ever think about chopping off the second story of my neighbor's house. I'm just <laughs> saying they're never there. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, Oh good. Bill does have a, a sense of humor. I mean, I knew he did, but it, you know, it's just Dude, he, he dropped dad jokes the whole book. That's they were true. Sad. He did, he did drop some dad jokes. So. And I loved it. Yeah, I SMH the whole time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, one of the parts that I actually yeah. did go back and re-listen to a little bit because it's really interesting to me is the um, um, uh, the water the water heating situation, um, and it totally makes sense. And it's one of those things that I have not done yet. I'm still a little gun shy about doing it, but I've heard I actually had a couple people tell me to do this. And it's, it's in my case, not to necessarily change out my water heater. I have an old fashioned water heater. It's, it's got a tank, uh, but it, it does constantly run and I should just put a timer on it because, you know, from, you know, eight o'clock in the morning to five o'clock in the evening, no one's using hot water and that thing isn't, it's insulated. It's not going to get cool very quickly. So. I should put a timer on it. And so say about four o'clock, maybe it kicks back on, starts heating, you know, starts making sure the water's heated. But between eight o'clock and four o'clock, there's no reason for that thing to be running. And it's just one of those things that I have not done yet, but it's on my thing. It's on my list of things to do. And then he even goes so far as to talk about adding these, uh, these smaller water heaters that are like instant heaters or whatever, like underneath, like, you know, like actually put it at the, uh, sink itself, which I thought was an interesting thing. So you completely get rid of the water heater. And so instead, like when you're at the sink, when you need hot water, you basically just like flip this little switch and like 30 seconds later, like the water is super hot. And I was like, that's an interesting idea. Um, I don't know about wiring my house for that simply for the resale value, at least right now. But uh, that was an interesting idea to me. I was like, that that's something I had never thought about. Um that was one of the things he talks about, um, um, watering the grass and everything. Um, uh, I mean, why, I have, why, why do people water their grass? Understand? Like it's Texas. It's going to turn watering. brown. Well, I mean, I, I do water my grass to keep it green because I've worked really hard to keep it green. 
<laughs> but uh well it also you know it, it it can cause damage to the house if it does die and pull away or whatever but um i specifically bought a a sprinkler system and i water my grass usually once maybe twice a week and i do it at midnight so that every drop that hits that grass blade and then of course i fertilize trying to make sure that it's it's you know able to absorb the water that it is getting um but i do all that at night so that the evaporation is not like instant, which is what kills me is when I drive around and I oh, see I, someone's sprinkler system I going off. I get so at mad. I'm just like yeah. half of that water you're see... spraying in the air is probably not even reaching the ground. Like it's just eva- evaporating instantly, especially if it's on a day where it's 107 degrees. One of my neighbors yeah. was doing that yesterday. I get so pissed I when I see a business, especially during the sidewalk mm-hmm. or you know in the middle of the day. Yep. It's, it's so irresponsible. Yeah, that, but I'm a that terrible homeowner because I don't water my grass at all. I actually look forward to it dying in the summer and me not having to cut it anymore. <laughs> it always comes back. Every fucking year it comes back. I'm like, it's grass. It's it. kind of resilient. It's, you know, you know, you think. I'm just One saying you have to, you do have yeah. to do some work. You can't just dump a bunch of stuff out there, but it, it's one of those things. And he talked about the fact, the idea of, um, you know, just basically doing away with the grass and, and putting down something like, you know, pebble yes. or rock or something. So, um, but the stupid weeds still come back. Well, you have to put down I, that I liner, hate, like that the, liner the stuff first. Existence. Yeah. You have to put down that liner stuff first, but so it's literally pulling up the grass, putting down the liner, then putting in the rock. But by the time you do that, like that can be, you know, a bit of an investment. It's definitely not a, a weekend job and it's definitely not like, oh, I've got, you know, an extra hundred dollars. Let me go do this. It's like, no, this is going to, this is going to run you a little money. So, uh, but it's <laughs> also one of those things that, you know, I haven't looked at doing here, but there are certain places that, uh, we've definitely done. We're like, okay, no, we're going to do rock or we're going to do, uh, something else so that, uh, you know, it's, it's, it, it would be a waste to try to leave grass there. So, um, uh, he does go into talking about space a little bit, and he does bring up the whole thing about reusable rockets, um, which we've kind of already covered, um, whether or not we have a destiny in space. Um, and then he goes through and he just talks, talks about being uh, the last chapter is the unstoppable species. And uh, I have to agree with the fact that it's, uh, generally speaking, it's a pretty safe bet to bet on humanity that we're going to, uh, we're going to try to figure out something because, uh, we've, we've done a lot to not only harm ourselves, but we've done a lot to overcome a lot of crap. And the amount of stuff that we've gotten done is pretty impressive. We just got to get everyone on board and get, you know, going in the right direction. So one of the other things that he did talk about, I don't remember which chapter it was in. And, um, I, I do want to bring it up is, um, and I, once again, I'm glad that he was just very, forward with this and he saw he starts talking about uh food production about that they're not being enough food and starts talking about gmos and how he was originally against gmos but then has finally kind of come around on it and i'll be honest i yes i was suckered into the whole thing oh it's gmo you don't want that in your body blah 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 and then you know uh what's funny is you know one of his good friends uh neil degrasse tyson brings up the fact, if you've ever seen that speech, where he's like, have you ever eaten a wild banana? Of course you haven't. Because when you look at it, you're like, that's not a banana. 
And I don't want to put that in my body because <laughs> that looks nothing like a yellow banana that is delicious and that I want to mm. eat. Uh, same thing for berries and nuts or anything. It's like, you know, we've been, we've been genetically engineering our food since we started growing food. You know, we've just had to do it very slowly. Now, some of the things that they're wanting to do, yeah, that it's a little too far. But for the most part, like, I can't remember. I, saw, I remember reading, it was, it, it was a thing on how, um, a lot of a lot of companies have like tried to shut down GMOs, and they got to unfortunately the African governments and got it stuck in their head that uh, no this stuff is bad this will kill your people, and and yet we're growing we're growing plants that produce tons of food that require hardly any work that can grow in like you know damn near impossible conditions that could help feed people. But because they've been brainwashed or in some cases flat out just paid off, we're not using them. And I'm, yep. I'm just like, oh, geez, people. Not efficient. No, it's not efficient. If you can, if you can make a plant that creates its own quote unquote pesticide because a certain gene on it is, is turned on and it creates, you know, an aroma that, you know, discourages insects. And hey, guess what? Now Which I don't have to spray it, it with organic. an insecticide. <laughs> Yes, it's like, why not? <laughs> why not do that? Why not make it simpler? Why not make a plant that grows because three times the size and produces five times the food that requires no fertilizer and less water and everything else? Unfortunately, GMO has become one of those really like hot buzzwords that a lot of people like to throw around when they don't actually know what it means. In fact, actually, if you watch the Bill Nye's show, Bill Nye Saves the World, on Netflix, he does a really good episode about this. I haven't watched really it yet. I have not watched it. It's on really my thing. Good. I just haven't watched it yet. He makes so many good points. And it's funny. He sends somebody to go to like a farmer's market or something, which farmer's market, great place to go. But he has a lot of like, he has this reporter ask them, you know, so like, what do you think about GMOs? And some of the stuff that people say is just hilarious. You know, nobody wants to Google anything. They just want to go off something they read on Facebook. So. <sighs> <laughs> Please don't get me started on That's where we get our news now. That's yeah, unfortunately seriously. where and it and it and it's all an echo chamber. So it is just shouting into the void. But I mean, let's face it, we're probably just as guilty, you know, we surround ourselves with like minded people. You know, it's not like I've got Fox News on my um uh Twitter stream or my Facebook thing. Whether or not I agree with it or not, just to get a opposing idea is generally a good idea, but do I do that? No. In I fact, read opposing ideas. I try. I mean, I try to, but I don't active. I, you know, like it's not like I've incorporated it into my day to day. Like I said, it's not like it comes up in my regular feed. It's one of those things that occasionally it shows up. And I'm like, okay, and I stop and think about it. And I'm like, I probably should put more of this stuff in there, and then I never do, and I go about my life. So, mm. um, all right. So, final thoughts on the book. Anyone want to go first? Yes. Go it's for awesome. It, <laughs> It's awesome. I mean, just I couldn't get enough of, you know, the subject and how he breaks it down for people and just all of the options he covers, you know, and his his insistence that we can't fix it overnight, but we can fix it because we're America and we have solved big problems in the past and we can solve this one. And it's a challenge and we, you know, we should look forward to a challenge, not run away from it crying and um you know, I, I think the idea that that we should try a, a lot of things, not just one or two things, but, you know, try out multiple solutions 
it's, it's really awesome because a lot of times people think one thing's the fix and that's really not the case. And, um, yeah, I just think I, he's a great, he's great at explaining things in a way people understand them. And I, and I really like, um, the arguments he provides are very balanced, like you said, and, and he's, you know, trying to at least address or, or, you know, figure out what people are going to say before they argue it and then, you know, throws the science at them. So. Lainey, I'm sure you wanted to jump in there. Yes. Um, I really loved it. I really, really loved it. I agree with Jen. I think he does a great job of breaking it down. I think that everybody that works in any kind of a position of power, I just think everybody should have, should read this book. Whether you believe in climate change or not, read it. Like, I, I, I just think that it might make you look at uh, look at it a little bit differently, you know, know what your sources are and, <laughs> and maybe read something that actually has a little bit of merit. But um, I really enjoyed it. I love, I've always loved the way that he breaks things down. I've been watching Bill Nye since I was a kid. He's my Mr. Wizard. Um, <laughs> he got me interested in science in the first place, but I think that he does a really good way of explaining this and it doesn't come off as nagging. Yeah, I agree. In That's, fact, I hate preachy stuff. I hate when people get no, preachy on stuff. I feel like it's the opposite. I feel like he's encouraging. He's like, what were, what was this country built on? If not, you know, innovation and trying to do things in a better way, you know, why on earth are we so hesitant to take this problem on head on and utilize some of these great minds that we have and fix it? So He's and he's very no nonsense about it too. You know, he points out this is why it's not getting fixed. Like, this is what we're up against. So I I loved it. I really loved it. I, it was a very enjoyable read. Like I said, I enjoyed it as well. I was. Um, I mean, I've I've always liked Bill Nye's um, shows and and his his demeanor. Um, I, but like I said, when I started, I was a little, I was like, oh, this sounds like it might be getting a little preachy. And then, like I said, he immediately started uh, counterpointing himself or bringing up opposing ideas. And as long, and like I said, the fact that he did bring that stuff in and was very, you know, well, there's this, but there's also this. And we need to consider that. And I was like, that's what I enjoyed about it the most was the fact that it was um, pretty even keel. Like it was, like I said, it wasn't preachy. Like. I hate that movie, uh, which one was it? Well, 2012. I hated 2012. But the one in particular was, uh, The Day After Tomorrow. <sighs> Number one, the science on that movie was completely and totally wrong. But it seemed like the, it, it was to the point that it wasn't just so preachy. It was almost like, it felt like they were, they were actually taking me as a puppy and rubbing my nose in, the fact that, you know, you're destroying the planet. It, 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 it felt that icky to me. That's one of the reasons I didn't like that movie. And I didn't ever feel I'm that sorry. way with this book. Have you, have you, you guys, I can't remember the name of it, where basically like we use satellites and other things to control the weather, but then they break down and we have all these extreme weather, you know, I think it might be called, like, what is it, like extreme storm or something like that. It looks really interesting and really terrifying at the same time because I think it's playing on like we're trying to control the weather because we've ruined it and now that the systems are broken this is what happens I think it'll be very interesting to see how no, that goes I haven't. I'll have to y'all have no idea out. what I'm talking about do you no, yeah, I, I can't remember the name for anything but 
I saw the preview and I was like, that is our future there. Like 20 tornadoes coming down at the same time. I mean, it's no Sharknado, but. Well, nothing's well, Sharknado. Well, nothing could ever be Sharknado. <laughs> right. It's really where we're going with this global warming thing. Sharknado. 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 That's what's going to happen. Right. Okay, Tara Riedel has something to do. Oh. <laughs> oh. Can we not have her do anything else? I'm just saying. <sighs> She becomes like a world leader. She's like, don't worry, guys. I've done this before. Oh, I've geez. got it. I got this. <laughs> please find please find something for oh. me to throw myself off of then. Uh, not a fan. Anyway, um, yeah. So like I said, I enjoyed it. It is not super preachy. Um, it, it it does. There is a lot of hard science in it, but he's very good at, at explaining it, which I mean, that's his, that's his bread and butter. That's what he's that's what he's always done. So um, it's like he's a scientist. Almost. Andy Almost. plays one on TV. Um, Andy plays one. <laughs> of course, you know, then there are those douchebags out there that are like, well, he's not really a scientist. Technically, he's an engineer. Yeah. Uh, No, but. That's the science, he, by the way. Yeah. But it's also, um, and, and to that point, I'm like, well, I'm sitting here, you know, I sit here and talk to you about pop culture. And like, I gave a, a class today on um on 3D printing. Um, I mean, yes, Nerd. I have. I have an associates on uh, in technology and my bachelor. I'm sorry, my associates is in computer repair. My associates are my bachelor's is in technology. My master's is in educational administration. So by your theory, I shouldn't be able to give this class because I should be giving stuff on teaching. And you know what? Fuck you. I know what I'm talking about. So just saying. Um, which going back to what I was saying about the speech. Um, I, w- I was talking about the fact that uh, I could envision. There's a book, and I I I don't know if I can recommend it for this show. It's called it's called uh, Demon by Daniel Suarez, and it's uh, it's really interesting. There's a there's some blood and gore in it, so I don't think Laney would enjoy it. But one of the things he proposes is uh, this uh, this virus, this computer program, uh, this AI, basically like starts fucking up all the banks and everything else. And there's like this alter, there's a, uh, AR world and altered reality world that a lot of people are kind of living in somewhat now. So they walk around with these goggles. So they're seeing real world, but they're also seeing all this other stuff. Uh, but one of the ideas is, um, with the breakdown of, of lost societies, these people start getting together in these communities. And instead of shipping finished products, we mainly ship like metal. We ship plastic. We ship raw materials and we 3D print stuff as we need it. So like I was pointing out in my speech today, let's take uh let's take fidget spinners for example. When the fidget spinners uh thing hit and everybody was like dying to get their hands on them, I actually made some money by 3D printing some th- fidget spinners for people. I printed it <laughs> and I sold it. And I don't have a lot of st- I don't have like an extra stock or anything of them. Like I printed it as I needed it. Now that the market's finally caught up, you go to Walmart, you go to a convenience store, and like they're falling off the counters. They can't hardly give these things away anymore. And what's going to happen is they're just going to keep getting marked down in price. By the way, they're poorly made. Um, but they're just going to keep getting, you know, marked down in price. And if they don't ever get sold, they're going to get tossed and it's going to end up in a landfill somewhere. Whereas yep. I'm only making the ones that I need to be made. I'm only making them on demand process and I'm using PLA. Which is not oil based, but is corn based and is biodegradable. Yay. So over time, yes, eventually the stuff that I'm printing, who knows? It may take 
50 or 60 years, you know, depending on the conditions. Although from what my understanding is it only takes a couple of months. Like if I were to just take some of this PLA and throw it outside and just let the weather have its way with it, it would only take a couple of months for it to break down. Um, that's awesome. Yeah, that's, that's pretty awesome. So, um, and a lot of your newer, like if you go to uh fast food restaurants and stuff, and it, you know, it, it says like some of the stuff's recyclable. That's what they're talking about. So I think Subway is one of them. If you go to the Subway, you'll notice that the lids for their cups are this, it's very, it's like an even thinner plastic and it's like yellow. And I believe that's PLA. So that will, that is biodegradable. So, um, there's hope. There's hope, people. Anyway, um, we don't have a book for next month. Uh, if, if you've noticed on the show, we've been kind of hit or miss with getting at least the largest, you know, the larger group together. Uh, so we're actually going to take next month off. Uh, school is starting up for us. And so like most of us have kids. They're going back to school or getting started with school. Uh, you know, Laney, yeah, Laney and I, Laney and I and, and Bolden all work for the school district. So, you know, we're getting started on stuff. So it's, it's, uh, it's just going to be a rough time. And I don't, I didn't want to try to, to push another book and have, you know, everyone not be able to read it. So we're going to take a, a month off. We will, when we finally come to a decision as to what our next book's going to be, uh, we will get together and, and discuss that and I'll let it out, you know, I'll get it out there. So we should have an episode ready, uh, by the end of, of September. So we just won't have one for the end of August. So with that said, uh, what else have you been reading, Lainey? I actually went to, I was, like I said, I was in Portland not too long ago um, and got the chance to go into the largest independent owned bookstore in the world, which was awesome. Um, so I got to take a little trip around uh, Powell's, which is amazing. If you're in Portland, you should definitely check it out. It's really fun. The dream um, of the 90s. It's alive in Portland. <laughs> um, I love Portland. I've never I been. Loved it. Um, but I was walking around and I found a couple of books and I started one of them and it is, called Bad Feminist by Roxane Gay. Um, it's really good. I'm really enjoying it so far. It's actually a collection of essays. Um, and I'm just really enjoying reading somebody else's account of basically what it's like to be a progressive woman in this world. And I love it because she's a woman of color and comes from a different socioeconomic background than I do. And I actually really enjoy reading about, you know, differing viewpoints than my own and people that's that, crazy talk right people <laughs> that crazy. go through pass through life in a very different way than i do i think that it's important to you know respect that and understand that because my feminism is intersectional so um but i've i've loved it so far i highly recommend it it's really good the way that she writes is hilarious and adorable and very poignant at the same time um, just a really, really good read. You should definitely check it out. I love it. In fact, one of the essays that I read the other day, it's hilarious. It's literally like just a guide to like how to be a good girlfriend mm -hmm. as in like a friend to other girls. And it points, I loved it because it pointed out one of my biggest pet peeves where it's when girls are like, well, I'm just not really friends with other girls. You just don't get along. And it basically is like, just don't do that shit. Like, don't say that shit. Like, stop, stop saying that. Like, it's a good thing. So I live for her. She's hilarious and amazing. So Roxanne Gay, check her out. She's got a ton nice. of books out too. So good no shortage there. Uh, Jennifer, what else have you been reading? Um, emails and <laughs> some newsletters that come through those emails. 
Riveting. And that's about it because August, July and August kind of suck for me. I'm, you know, they're very overwhelming months and busy, so I don't get a lot done. Yes, the reading I, realm. But. I can understand that. I, uh, what's odd for me is this is the time of year where I go back to work. The teachers are not on contract yet, and usually I'm doing inventory or re-imaging computers. And as such, I have a lot of time to listen to podcasts and audiobooks. So, um, I actually finished a book, uh, by, uh, called Station Breaker by Andrew Main. And, um, this book was almost written for me. It's awesome. It is, <laughs> um, and, and the author, I, I listened to a podcast where the author's on it and he, he even talks about it. Um, it's, uh, think kind of along the lines of The Martian, but you know how in The Martian, like the world pulled together to, to try to save him? Um, <laughs> imagine if an astronaut, uh, was basically framed for murdering everyone on a on on the space station, causing a large explosion, and managing to get back to Earth. And everyone is literally hunting, trying to hunt him down. <laughs> Holy crap! I want to read this. It's actually it's really good. It's called Station Breaker, and he's already put out the sequel. Uh, I think it's called Orbital. And what's funny is, is I don't want to say it, it ends on a cliffhanger, but it does end in a way where it's obvious, like he was going to write a second one. Um, so after I finished reading it, I literally tweeted it out to him and I'm like, you son of a bitch. I guess I'm going to have to write this, read the second <laughs> book. By the way, loved it. And he wrote back, he said, glad to see you enjoyed it. So. <laughs> Yeah, nice. he he he's the type of guy I knew he would get when I you know if I called him an sob I knew he would he would smile and, and get enjoyment out of that especially me saying you know you know because he understands why I said that because I'm like yep got to the end of it you sob you got now, me I've, I, you got me I've got to read the second one now but it is really good uh it's called Station Breaker and then like I said the second one is called Orbital and I'll probably grab that here my new credit goes through on the fifth so I'll probably grab that here in a couple of days and go ahead and read that one so. Uh, I also, like I said, I had a lot of extra time. I actually went back and reread Ready, Ready Player One. I still love that book. I, I, I am looking forward to the movie. Um, it's the, the teaser that we got is a lot different from the movie or from the book, but I still have high hopes. Um, I actually went back and reread his second book as well, Armada. Um, it's not as good as Ready Player One and, I thought it was just okay the first time I read it. This the second time that I've read it now, I've enjoyed it a lot more. Um so I, I it may even be one of those things I go back and reread, you know, a couple more times just to see if it kinda you know, uh, you know, my uh my interests keep going. So as always, if you would please give us a five star rating on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. It really does help us out. It helps get the word out there uh about the show and the rest of the shows on the network. If you're watching us on YouTube, Please like and share the video. It really does help. Um, the more people we have subscribed, the you know, the bigger the audience we can get. Who knows? We might even actually get some sponsors one day. We'll see. I don't know. I'm not really planning on it. This is more so just for fun. But still, we'd like to get the word out there. It's it's nice to be able to do something and know that there are people out there that care. Which, speaking of which, even though most of them have been kind of trolls in the chat room. Uh, to Cyrus, Born Distracted, and Ryan, uh, thanks for joining us, guys, as always. I love having the chat room. Um, I'm gonna say this, and it's gonna be recorded, so Cyrus is gonna have it, and he can throw it in my face anytime he wants, but yes, I am glad we started doing the shows live to have a chat room, because it does make it a lot more fun. Um, and even though I did not say it on, on the, uh, on the show, I have to say it now, yes, Sting will save us all. 
Uh, because Sting. Yeah. Um, and then, like I said, you can check out the other shows that we have on the network. We have the Epically Geeky Show. Um, Lainey and I may or may not be able to make it this coming weekend, but uh, Cyrus and Ray have got something planned, so that should be interesting. I've got... Uh, I'm probably not going to get an episode out of Epically Geeky Makers next week like I was hoping. It may be the week after just because I went to a con last weekend and I'm going to a con this weekend, so... Uh, <laughs> Been busy. Rockstar. Been a little bit busy. Uh, yeah, by the way, check out my, uh, check out my Twitter feed at Optimus Gene, uh, so you can see some of the cool pictures that I posted and videos and stuff because Lainey got to meet R2 and actually got to do the thing with the thing and it was awesome. Guys. And, uh, <laughs> so cool. let, let me just say, uh, no, no nowhere else, nowhere else on the internet are you going to find a picture of Snake Eyes wearing a proton pack. Ex- Twitter uh, feed. So there it is. Uh, Lainey, where can we find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter and on Instagram at it's a Lainey bird. You can also find me over at the Epic Rhythm cast. And I swear guys, we're coming out with another episode. Things are crazy. We've been traveling a lot. We've been working. It's nuts, but we are coming back. I promise. Good deal. Jennifer, where can we find you online? Um, Instagram and Twitter at Het's Gonna Be Me. And then you can find the site on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Epically Geeky. For everyone on the site, have a good night. has been a presentation of the Epically Geeky Network. 